This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. The member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And this week's topic on the Wednesday show is going to be ranking and reviewing the top 10 injury risks going into 2020 but i am not alone i am here as always with my co-host you know him as the man of the hour and the man with the power he is jerry sinclair jerry what is going on randy 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 the scott fishbowl is upon us and my draft is going at a snail's pace man the first the, the first year i did it was 2018 and the ralph wiggum division was the first to finish, and it has forever spoiled me because this one, we did 14 picks today. Come on. I made one pick. One pick, and it was Derek Carr. Like, I'm not excited for that. But anyway, listen, there's more important things because today is the first day I really get to talk to the other guy in the war zone, the smart guy on the war zone. And I'm going to let you intro him because you're so much better at it than me. And I just want his nickname to come out naturally, eventually. Randy, tell him who else is here. Well, but before I do that, I'm going to make him and you wait about who we're bringing in to the show. Just want to make sure to let you know that this show was recorded live on YouTube. And I'm sure one of my uh, co-hosts have tweeted that out live so that people can jump on and follow along if they would like to. He's and nudging me right now. I, I am. I'm, I'm hitting me with a cyber elbow. And uh, uh, new Dynasty Happy Hour contractor will be dropping this weekend. We had a great one last week with a gentleman named Emerson and got one this weekend with a gentleman named Ryan. I have got two spots left before I will shut it down. And then during the regular season, we'll be bringing folks back. We'll see how their moves have been made. Because, Jerry, you ever watched? I, I know you do because Mrs. Jerry makes you watch them. Those HGTV uh, reality shows where the husband's a simple potato farmer and the wife runs a uh, coloring book club and their budget's like 1.2 mil. Yeah. Uh, listen, those butterfly catching, the professional butterfly catchers, how they have so much money, I don't know, but 
I mean, yes. Oh, yeah. She makes me watch them. My, my, my favorite is when they do, like, at the, at the end of some of them, they do, like, the follow-up, like, six months later, ten months later. And that's what we're going to be doing with the contractor's previous guests. We're going to circle back. We're going to find out how things have been going, what kind of moves they were able to get pulled off. And that'll be the Dynasty Happy Hour contractor through the season. Uh, continue to warn you, some of these are, you know, creeping over that 90-minute mark. But it's good. If the information's good, we're not turning the mics off. We're just going to keep feeding you. Uh, got a new three-team parlay dropping on Friday. And the last thing before we make, well, two things before we make our guest wait any longer, five-star reviews. We are up to 171, Jerry. And I'm writing them down. I'm, I'm writing them down. And that's part of how you win that autographed DK Metcalf jersey. So how do you get entered? You go to Dynasty Warzone on whatever your, your podcast platform is, and you leave a five-star review. And you can leave your email address, your Twitter handle, uh, some way to get a hold of you. That gets you entry number one. You repeat that process over on the Fantasy Football Smackdown podcast feed. And then to get the bonus third entry, which I'm also collecting because those are my favorite, uh, because the third entry is inspired by Mr. Scott Fish himself. That's a picture of you doing something good in your community, a.k.a. doing good in the neighborhood whether that's coaching youth sports, whether that's donating at your church, Habitat for Humanity via your job, whatever it is, just a simple picture of you doing it. We had some, uh, we had a basketball coach and his team working on a closed drive. That'll get you the third entry, and we're going to be doing that drawing live here on YouTube on August the 9th. Or if you don't venture into the cesspool that is social media, you can go to dynastywarzone at gmail.com or fantasyfootballsmackdown at gmail.com and you can send your entries that way. Uh, call out the social media, man, at Dynasty Warzone on Instagram and Twitter. And I've been posting a little bit more. Now, the most recent Instagram pick on the Dynasty Warzone was just me working out, uh, me coming back from uh, an illness. But enough of all that. The preamble is over. Welcome the third member of the team we know him as the doctor of love aka dr kyle that is not feedback that is the consequences of a one-bedroom apartment with a nine uh, nine-week-old puppy who might pee on rugs still oh hey the, 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 the <laughs> puppies are always welcome uh, my, my dog aka Gemma, the podcast dog is the uh, official dog pod of the podcast, but we can always have two official dogs of the podcast. And then Jerry's dog's just a bastard. She listen. She stays hidden in the front. She's a she's a whiner, so I I lock her out. So, Doctor Kyle, welcome to the team, man. Glad to I have think- you. Um, tell us a little about about yourself. We've we've had you on the contractor. You jumped on the Scott Fishbowl Potathon with Jerry, myself, and Kyle from the Fantasy Football Smackdown. But for those that didn't catch any of that or unfamiliar with you. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your medical background and why you want to uh, join up with a couple of knuckleheads like Jerry and myself. Sure. Uh, So I've now been practicing physical therapy for about seven years. I graduated with my doctorate in upstate New York seven years ago. Uh, Always been a huge fan of football, pretty much all sports, but I've always uh, likened football the most probably, uh, even though I never really played it much growing up and jumped into fantasy football probably in high school and then most recently dynasty uh, about a year ago and i just uh, there's so much i love about it the uh the analytics the statistics i was uh, i mean i remember being a kid like cutting out um 
score reports of uh, baseball games and, and basketball games and football games, trying to memorize statistics. And so fantasy football seems like a culmination of all of these things that I've always been into. And so here I am. I've been uh, in the fantasy football Twitter sphere for probably a year and a half, not realizing prior to that how much information and analysis was out there. And it is never ending. And now I get to contribute, hopefully. Well, you're damn sure going to contribute. So for those that don't know, we announced it officially on the Scott Fishbowl Potathon on Monday morning. We are going to have uh, three new shows here. Actually, three total shows, two new shows coming up starting in August. We're going to have a once-a-month Devi podcast with none other than the man of the hour and the man with the power, Jerry Sinclair, along with Kane uh, from the Devi Marketplace. And Josh, I'm, I'm going to butcher Josh's last name, and I hope he doesn't kill me. Is it Dessinger? I, I think so. I'm, I'm close. And then Shane Hallam of, of uh, FakePigskin.com as well as still SteelCityInsider.com. He is the world's largest degenerate as it relates to Devi. I mean, he's got a 2021, a 2022, a 2023, and my man just started a 2024 seven-round NFL mock draft. He knows these college players inside and out. That's going to be our Devi team. It's really going to be a show that is a bridge from the college world to the dynasty world. If you're like me and a lot of others and you, you just can't, you're just out of time. I mean, you're, you're, you're devoted time to your redraft, your daily, your dynasty rosters, and you know, you're trying to be a family man and a working woman, and you're, you're trying to do all these things. You may not have quite as much time for college. So we're going to have guys like Shane and Jerry and Josh and Kane hook us up and keep us going. And then myself, the, the, the head of honcho over there at the Scott Fish Pod-a-thon, Sal Lito, me, Dr. Kyle and a mystery fourth host are going to be hosting a show on that will drop on Thursdays in time for your player props, your gambling. Uh, Dr. Kyle will have picks for you, whether it's a player prop or maybe a side or a total on a game, as well as uh, using his experience and knowledge of being a doctor of physical therapy to help us really understand, because a lot of times coaches put coach speak on injuries, and I consider Jerry. Do you consider me a smart guy? I would consider you an above average man. So you so said that that's uh, that's what you call putting uh, sprinkling pixie dust on a turd. He's trying to put me over without being very uh, con- convincing. Uh, but but a lot of times you read Doctor David Chow or some of these other doctors who tweet very good information out. But I, I, I don't personally have no, I don't have a doctorate like Dr. Kyle. So Kyle can explain some of these medical t- terms for us, trying to help us set those lineups, make those bets, uh, DFS, stuff like that. He, he's really going to jump in and give us that firsthand, you know, is this doctor spin or do you really expect him out there? And if you expect him out there, what's he going to look like? That sort of thing. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to have three shows for you. The Debbie show will be once a month starting in August and the – in-season betting show. So we're going to do the segment that we used to do on Wednesday called the uh, the uh, Vegas portion. We're just going to move that into an entire show. So that's what's coming up in the Dynasty War Zone. That's how Dr. Kyle is going to factor into things. He'll be in and out of the regular War Zone as well, you know, from a, a Dynasty standpoint. If, you know, we're like, kind of like what we're going to do tonight, we're going to talk about a lot of guys that have a bit of a checkered injury history. 
and we're going to decide what we're doing with them in 2020, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do with them in Dynasty. So without any further ado, Dr. Kyle, Jerry, you guys ready to talk about some injuries? Listen, I'm going to let this man do all the heavy lifting, <laughs> and I'm just going to suck it all in and steal all of it. <laughs> Jerry, that, that's that's kind of your thing. All right, let, let, let's go to number 10, Will Fuller. I'm going to hit you with uh, some of the, the stats, and then we'll let Dr. Dr. Kyle break it down. Uh, this guy has played 42 of 64 career possible games, so about, eh, about two-thirds of his games. He's played zero full seasons. He does have first-round NFL draft capital, which is substantial. And when he's available, I mean, we saw like, a, I think he had the highest non-quarterback game of the season last year. I think he had like 56 or 59 points. We've seen what he's capable of. Uh, Dr. Kyle, let's, let's talk about this man and you can uh, kind of go through some of the litany of injuries this guy has. Sure. So, uh, yeah, we've seen the best and the worst of Will Fuller from uh, both extremes pretty much. And probably in back-to-back -back weeks, we've seen the extremes at this point. You know, a number of soft tissue injuries and contact injuries from, uh, you know, as far as soft tissue goes, hamstring strains, multiple ACL tear and repair, uh, abdominal muscle tear. And then as far as uh, fractures go, we've got a clavicle fracture and a rib fracture, both in the same season. That being said, uh, where he's going as far as ADP goes and dynasty right now, he's the 44th wide receiver off the board. Uh, so this past week I, I posted a poll that involved some guys around the same ADP to see if people preferred Darius Slayton, Will Fuller, Brandon Ayuk, or Mecole Hardman. And I don't remember the exact order, but he wasn't last. Um, and then I know with a conversation on Twitter today that Jerry got involved in, you know, Will Fuller seems to be the type of player where if you can get him in a startup now, and now I'm stealing from Jerry, uh, now's the time to get him in a startup because he's probably going to fall past his ADP. And, you know, maybe not. So my, my dynasty experience is in uh, FFPC. And at most, you're starting four wide receivers there. And that's if you choose to not super flex a quarterback. So really likely only ever three. Um, so maybe to have it might be a rarity to have Fuller in your uh, starting lineup, but if you're in a deeper league with, you know, three, four, five, you know, wide receivers or flexes, then it's probably a solid strategy to see if you can get him in there. As you said uh, in your discussion of that Scott Fishbowl 10, like he's a guy who will win weeks. Um, if you're, if, if he's your wide receiver four or five and you're not banking on those wins every week, then he, he probably will return his value but you're probably never going to make a profit on him. All right. Let me ask a question on Will Fuller and the injuries itself, themselves. Let's hear it. Is, is, is this man just the unluckiest man that has ever played and these are all just coincidences? Or are these injuries, do they they occur because of other injuries? We almost lost the beer. That would have been a bad one. <laughs> is that... Are they related? Is it is it sort of a product of how he plays and just how his body is, or is it just a horrible situation for him? Jerry, you're asking me the question I ask myself every day. <laughs> um, like like holy philosophy. Uh, and actually, as I thought about it a lot over the past couple of days and and week preparing for this, it got me thinking about if there's a way for me to sort of backtrack uh, guys we would 
retrospectively label as injury prone sort of accurately like a year or two into a guy's career like like wasn't matt stafford injury prone at one point yeah, and then he rattled off season. like yeah. yeah six or seven full seasons in a row and unfortunately had a back injury last year uh w- will fuller does not seem to be in that category of players so he's probably the type that might be labeled injury prone however to me that's still just a narrative that's not created based on any data other than perhaps some short-term data that doesn't represent enough data to fully be uh, statistically significant. Um, yeah, where, where am I going with this? Uh, <laughs> so so in, in short, it, the, the biggest predisposition for injury is previous injury. And this guy now has a number of previous injuries and it doesn't even have to be related to the previous uh, body part for him to be, be predisposed. So I got to think, you know, four years into his career and he's had eight relatively noteworthy injuries. Uh, you know, seven of them have kept him out of games. And I, I can only imagine how many games he left in the second, third or fourth quarter when you're banking on a, another reception or two. Um, so you know, this is, so I'm answering a question that will be a question answered for all the people to come. Like there are so many factors that go into somebody's injury. Uh, maybe, maybe Will Fuller is a guy who should only be on the field for 20 to 30 snaps a game. And it's in snaps 30 to 40 where his body can't handle those, those long routes, especially, you know, we know his, his role in that offense has generally been to be a field stretcher. Um, I know if you ask me to go run 30 or 40, uh, 60 yard dashes, it's going to be ugly probably by 10 or 15. Well, listen, Randy, Randy could be, Randy could run it. Listen, you, y'all see me now. I, I, there's finally a, a picture to the, the self-deprecation. So uh, Randy, listen, the, the injuries are certainly built in to Will Fuller's ADP. Is it something that you're messing with? Is it something you don't want any part of? What? Give me the professor's thoughts on this. I, I got two words for you. Best ball. If you, you want to pick up Will Fuller late at even a dynasty best ball league or a seasonal best ball league, because here's the thing. If you're going to roll him out there, you have to be prepared to take a zero. Now, you could take a 59. So I guess if you're rolling him out there as like your wide receiver four that could win you a week, it just depends. I mean, in, in head-to-head leagues, there's a lot more strategery that goes into it than just, you know, always setting your lineup. It's like, hey, I'm going to be really close. What does the uh, projection say? Uh, I'm going to be super close. Uh, if you're a big dog on a, on a given week in a head-to-head matchup, that's when you might throw in a guy like Will Fuller. Uh, no different, really, than, than I have Will Fuller, like a couple of notches below, like Marquise uh, Brown, Hollywood Brown, who's like one notch above – uh, like a Brandon Cooks, and, and then there's Will Fuller. So for for me, I, that's where I would have him in Dynasty. If you can find a Will, uh, Will Fuller fan, more than happy to move him. And that's really about it. I mean, to me, it's all soft tissue. And that, those are the, the thing. Uh, he will be a year and a half removed from his ACL tear, which, Dr. Kyle, I've always heard this. You can validate this for me real quick. Is that true that the the, the year two, going into uh, year two of the post-ACL surgery is uh, more true to who a player is? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the recovery from an ACL surgery to even just be released generally to uh, – 
full activity is in that nine to 12 month range anyway. Uh, so to then get like a full off season after that to be fully acclimated and running drills and, and training, I think you're looking at uh, a true full recovery for return to play. And because he's got a, a number of, you know, hamstring strains, it, it tends to be like guys will overcompensate and they'll try to develop muscle in a way that they think is helping them, but it actually leads to soft issue tissue injuries. And like, it can be a calf, it can be a groin, you know, you, you strengthen the hamstring to the point to where it becomes a detriment in other places. Have you heard that as well? I don't know if it would be so much a detriment as uh, if if Will Fuller's job on the field is to run and most of his training is things that are not running at full speed, then the second he is sprinting, uh, he's, he's going to run into issues, uh, no pun intended. Um, I know from talking to a colleague of mine who works as a he's, – he's a track coach but works – he consults with a number of NFL teams. Uh, getting teams to run or to do sprinting in season at a right time within the, uh, the, the off time of the week is important because no guy during the regular season touches their, their full speed. So if you are not ever continuously touching your full speed to maintain this, this high mark of your full capacity – and that is slowly coming down over the season, then you're, you're, you're coming closer to that ceiling with, with each passing game. Um, so, yes, there is something to, yes, train the hamstrings, but also train the calves, train the glutes, train the quads. But at the end of the day, it's really about training, uh, as we call it, repeat, repeat sprint ability, the ability to run as fast as you can recover and then run again with that same intensity. All right, we better move on to number nine. I think Jerry's starting to nod off. All this talk about bustle and, and <laughs> no, and, Jerry's Jerry's writing it down. Listen, right. if Very. there's anyone that needs repeat sprint ability, this guy <laughs> right here. All right, let's jump into number nine. This is a, a guy that could be a top four or five tight end. I really think if he were able to stay healthy for an entire season, he could really put some pressure on guys like Mark Andrews, like Zach Ertz for that four or five position as the tight end overall, and that's Evan Ingram, man. Uh, he's played 34 of 48 games, so just on about 65%. Uh, played 15 games as a rookie, but has only played 19 the last two years. Again, great draft capital, a first-round guy. A guy that we would all love to see some repeat of that, that rookie magic. He's got an offensive coordinator now in the Clapper, a.k.a. Jason Garrett, who has had a history of both good quarterback and tight end results for fantasy. And I would be really excited to see what this kid can do because, in my opinion, he could be the number two target on this offense. I mean, and in all actuality, the way Daniel Jones doesn't check the ball down, he could be the number one overall you know, volume. He could be the George Kittle of this offense. My fear is the injury history. Dr. Kyle, take it away with the injuries for Evan Ingram. Sure. So, uh, you know, Evan Ingram came out hot in his rookie season. We saw him put up, I think, what were top 10 all-time rookie numbers. Uh, and that season got shortened toward the end. 2018, we're looking at a nice uh, follow-up. And that's when the injury history started to to take fold. We have a, a concussion in the preseason, an ankle sprain, a knee sprain where he then missed three games, and then a hamstring strain. So, I don't know where, uh, which of these were contact versus non-contact. And I don't know 
if, um, you know, maybe my bias says somebody who racks up more non-contact injuries is probably more quote unquote injury prone than somebody who racks up contact injuries. Cause there's only so much you can do when, you know, two guys running 20 miles per hour, 15 miles per hour, hit each other. And you don't know which direction your foot is going to land. Um, but you know, we, we went into last year, I think in 2018 was when Ingram finished out the season with, it was almost like similar, not quite to what Higby did this year, uh, this past year, but he had a really strong four games and then you then get excited again. And so this past year, I think he was probably drafted as a, you know, a, a tight end, like six to eight range. And as far as dynasty goes, I think he's, he's still maintained that value, which is nice because We've seen his athleticism. We've seen what he can do on the field. But he's now coming off of the most severe of his injuries, a, list, uh, a midfoot sprain leading to a list frank surgery, which is not the most common, but it can be challenging to get back to. Um, as far as where he is in ADP, I think he's still in that five, six, seven tight end off the board in Dynasty right now, which I think for him, his – injury risk is sort of baked into his ADP. So I don't know if I'm so against drafting him. Um, do you want to take it away from there with, with uh, your thoughts on, on having him in Dynasty right now? I'll, I'll let good man uh, Jerry cover anything he has on Evan Ingram, and I'll wrap it up before we go to number eight. I just sort of want to follow. So you don't think that – you think that's sort of a good range for him to be, Kyle, where he's at with the injuries that he's had? Yeah, yeah. I mean – it probably depends on the the format. Like I said, like FFPC, if you're you know you're starting two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, and a super flex, the upside of if he if he somehow lands in the top three or four tight end at the end of the season in a one and a half tight one and a half PPR tight end premium, he's probably a league winner at that point. Um, that being said, you know you look down the line a few rounds later, and there are other guys. You know, we got the Gesickis, the Jarwins, the Janus. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who yeah, else. I mean, range, yeah, but. I feel like that whole range is all, I mean, that's a lot of hype that I've not seen any of them sort of hit what Evan Ingram has shown that he can hit. Right. And it, it's super scary because you just mentioned the Liz Frank and everything else. So it's, I, I, I was super in on Evan Ingram going into last year. He was the guy that I knew I was going to get. And he was, he was like my juju this year. Like I wanted <laughs> him so bad. And of course that just, he rained all over my parade. It is what it is. I I think it's a good spot too, because uh, like you said, if he does hit and if he actually does stay healthy, I mean, those are all ifs, don't get me wrong. But if he does, he is one of those guys that's going to be tight end three or tight end four. And at the place where you're getting him, I really don't think there's that big of a risk involved. Now, as far as Dynasty is concerned, and if you're trying to trade him away, I think the Evan Ingram owner probably values him more than that. So it's going to be a little little more pricey. Randy, g- give me Evan Ingram. I know we have, we have poo-pooed on this man sitting here talking. So are you going to continue going, or did, did Kyle ease your feelings a little bit? Nah, man. At where he's going at ADP, he's right. In my Scott Fishbowl division, he went uh, as tight end six off the board. So that's a little rich for my blood, uh, especially in Dynasty, which is our main focus here on the Warzone show, is that I would much rather have a TJ Hawkinson. I would much rather have a Mike Gusecki. Uh The thing that I'm doing, and this came, actually came up as a question of Kyle in a startup that he was doing, 
is that I would much rather in like a dynasty startup. Uh, I hope none of my Scott Fishbowl competitors are watching because I've yet to take a tight end. <laughs> but I, I will be more than happy to pound Blake. No, not, not, not figurative, <laughs> figuratively, not literally. Great phrase. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be happy to select. Guys like Blake, Jar- uh, Blake Jarwin, Jace Sternberger, Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon, and then you know try to get a, a veteran like a Greg Olson or a Gronk. You know, give me especially in a best ball, but even in a in like a redraft or a tournament or a, a dynasty league, I know that Greg Olson is going to give me a year, and I know that Russell Wilson is a tight end kingmaker. So I would much rather get those guys later and continue to hammer running back wide receiver in those rounds where you would have to pay up to get an Evan Ingram for me he's a little too rich for my blood let's jump in to the first running back on the board and a guy that has played five of a career possible 32 games he's played zero full seasons as five of 32 would indicate and uh, he is a guy that I love he was called the best running back out of the SEC since Bo Jackson that was the ticket to my heart he is none other than Darius Geis. He's uh, had an ACL. He's had a meniscectomy, an MCL sprain, a meniscus tear, everything around them knees. Dr. Kyle, tell us about Darius Geis and how long can he go with this kind of uh, damage to a pretty vital area of his body as a running back? Yeah, this is an interesting one because, you know, we got to see bits of what Geis could do in a full – I mean – Granted, it's a full game, so uh, to say what somebody can do in a full game, like we saw Will Fuller can do in a full game, and it, it's hard to extrapolate to 16. But this is a guy who, if he can stay on the field, I think he can do it all. He has the workhorse potential. Obviously, there's a lot of muddiness in the background of the Redskins, uh, or the backfield of the Redskins right now with all the guys back there that will be competing, a new offensive coordinator and head coach. Um, but as, you know, I used to be, be – being uh, or having the background I have in you know injuries and rehab, I was uh, very much a play it safe guy, like avoid injury at all costs. But as I shift gears to upside, upside, upside to win leagues, like Geis's ADP right now, he's going in the early eighth round for uh, uh, FFPC Superflex uh, Dynasty leagues. You know, your eighth round, like you've already probably got two starting quarterbacks, possibly two starting running backs two wide receivers and a tight end. I, I honestly don't really have a problem with guys coming off the board there um, because you know you could probably fall back on some of those safer RB3s who are your guys who are strictly your PPR guys who might not be getting more than five to ten carries a game, but if they land the five to six uh, targets, then they're going to be your safety net anyway. Um, so that's, I think, where I am with guys right now. What do you think about that? Uh, I'll let Jerry take this because Jerry was the original Geis man love uh, Mm -hmm. association. So go ahead, Jerry, talk about your mans. Just tell me this is bad luck. That's what I want to hear. Just tell me, just just so I can feel good about myself. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I I, I will shut this laptop so fast. I want to say it so badly because, uh, you know, like Darius Geis, he just seems like such a great guy. And like everything he posts on social media is so positive and, the guy doesn't have a, a bad bone in his body, but maybe a couple bad knees. Um, Zing. <laughs> it, I, I, I love Darius Geis. So yeah. I, I get that the injury's there. And like you said, you know, you already have a pretty darn set roster by the time you're taking Darius Geis. 
when it comes to trading him, it's probably a little tough because the guy that has him in your league is probably like me and he's just full guy stand base and he just loves him. So it's probably a little more expensive and, you know, friend of the show, friend, friend of friend of us, Nate Pilmer hates the word upside. It is his, his kryptonite. I don't care. Not, not in this case, Nate, I love you. You're my man, but in, in the upside of Darius guys is too good for me. I've watched, you know, when he's played, my man has looked so good. He's versatile. He's great in the SEC. When he's been given the opportunity, he's looked good. The problem is he hasn't had all of the opportunities of which rips my heart out and stomps it onto the ground, and it's terrible, and it, I dislike it. But where the man is going in startups and everything else, like the fishbowl, he's going to be like my RB4. Yeah. I, like I'm going to get him in like the eighth round, and if he plays for 16 weeks, I don't think there's anyone on the planet that plays this game that is going to tell me he's not going to have top 15 potential. And for someone that's going that late, I just, I think that's stupid. And I think that is such just biased stubbornness against the man because of the injuries. Randy, are you a biased stubborn man? Are you, are you on this choo choo train with me? Like doc Brown in, Back to the Future Three, and we're just throwing red logs right into the guy's fire. <laughs> well, um, wow! I'm just gonna go wow. Uh, my my wife had never seen it. We actually just watched it the other day. That's why the uh, the it's not, not not horrible for 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 the for the third for the third installment of, of a of a franchise. Not bad. Uh, Darius guys for me. I don't have any shares in Dynasty. Ironically, I was like, dude, are you looking at my roster? Scott Fishbowl eighth round took Garrett took Darius guys as my QB four. <laughs> And, and here's the thing. I, I don't mind that in redraft. I don't mind it in a tournament like the Scott Fishbowl. Because to your point, if he hits, he's going to hit like a sledgehammer. And he is going to do damage. And what people maybe not realize is that his new offensive coordinator is Scott Turner. Scott Turner, the son of Norv Turner. Now, they're not as famous as the Shanahans and some other father and son coaching duos in the NFL. But I can tell you one thing about Norv Turner is that he has used a bell cow back almost his entire career, going back to Emmett Smith. Most recently last year, now again, a different type of running back, but Christian McCaffrey was his bell cow. I truly believe that if Darius Geis can stay healthy, he will probably get 65 70% of the catches, and I'm excuse me, of touches. And they will sprinkle in a little Adrian Peterson. They'll sprinkle in a little uh, Bryce Love. I don't think J.D. McKissick makes this roster. I think they'll carry three, maybe a fourth running back that can play some special teams, and they'll move on. But if Darius guys can stay healthy and you can get him this late, even in a dynasty league, man, shoot the moon. Because here's the thing. What do I always talk about in dynasty? I'm looking for volume and value. And in the eighth round, he's a value. And I, based on his offensive coordinator and the track record that he has, and I think the volume's going to be there. And if he hits, you're buying equity. Because if you get him in the eighth round now and he does, let, let, let's say he finishes as a running back 15. Very possible. I'm not going to elevate him into an RB1 territory. But see, that's going to give all those guys that had faith in him are going to be like, see, look, I told you he's the man. He can do it all. He can, and you're buying equity. And if you don't trust those knees, if, if you think they're going to get the Thanos snap and turn to dust this time next year, cool. You can trade him in the offseason for – a first or a first plus. So at his cost to acquire via trade or in a startup, I don't mind it, man. 
I, I don't mind it at all. I want to move on to number seven. Uh, number seven in this program is a guy that I am very, Jerry, you know my favorite word, trepidatious. Very trepidatious on other side of the country. We're talking about East Coast, Washington. Listen, hey, now that we got a doctor, we're going to have to come up with so many more big words. Well, we got to <laughs> keep him on his toes. He's like, man, these these hillbilly ass looking son of a guns actually know big <laughs> words. That's a four syllable. Anyway, uh, this next guy is Chris Carson. And I don't want to say he's uh, Mr. Glass and, and uh, got some fragile bones. Maybe he could use some milk. But he's played in 33 of a possible career 48 games. So he's played about two-thirds as well. Uh, zero full seasons, man, but this guy has uh, has had some big seasons when he's able to stay healthy. There's no real commitment to him. That's one of my fears in Dynasty is that he was the 31st pick in the seventh round of the 2017 draft. It's going to be a huge free agent class in 2021. Rashad Penny's still there. They brought in DJ Dallas. They brought in Carlos Hyde. Man, Doc, give me something on, on Chris Carson. Hopefully it's something positive, but uh, I, I've got my concerns. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have much positive on him. He, you know, he's outperformed his ADP, ADP probably for the last two years, I would imagine. You know, a, a 1,300 yard season in 2018, 1,500 yards in 2019 before the injury, but a guy with seventh round draft capital coming off an injury as severe as a hip fracture. I mean, I, I haven't done full research on hip fractures in the NFL, but it's not a common one. And when people do uh, experience hip fractures, it's not something that's, that's easy to come back to. Um, so, you know, for where his ADP is right now, you know, like we were just talking about Geis going as the, the 30th-ish running back off the board. Carson's going three to five running backs before him. You know, uh, Kareem Hunt and David Johnson are between him and Darius Geis. For me, Carson is very much a fade. If you have him, you're probably not selling him for much. Your best chance to get out from underneath him is uh, probably to hope he hits early on in the season next year. But I don't know. Like Chris Carson's been a great story, but I think it might be coming to an end. He can stay. We can keep Kyle around. All right, good. good. Well, I mean, Jerry, you and I talked about this the other day, and this was on the Seattle three-team parlay when we broke him down. My fear about him, especially coming off of a hip injury, A, as most of you know, I am I am the king. I think Sal Lito is a close second as the president and founder of the Bo Jackson stand base. I love Bo <laughs> Jackson. And a hip injury ended Bo Jackson's career. Now it was different. My fear, Kyle, and you can tell me if this is just my uh, limited knowledge of, you know, this the physics of football and the body in general. But in that belt area, if you think about where your, you know, your belt lines up on your trousers, that's right where, where this guy's going to get hit a bunch. He's going to be catching shoulder pads. He's going to be catching helmets uh, in that area. And as we all know, once something is broken, yes, it can heal. But I, I think it's going to continue to be susceptible. And I would not be surprised if at some point during the season, if he were to get injured and Rashad Penny probably going to start the season on the pup if they didn't make some kind of a trade for a Leonard Fournette or a, a Kareem Hunt type guy. You know, get get those two guys out of the AFC. They're the most likely candidates for me because teams typically don't like to trade guys within division or within the conference. They'd like to try to move them to where you only see them once every four years. So that's my fear with Carson from Dynasty. Again, kind of similar to, to Will Fuller. If you want to take a shot on him in a best ball, or a tournament like the Scott Fishbowl, knock yourself out. 
But where he's going at ADP, there are a lot of guys I would rather have around him. And I know Jerry and I have talked about this as well. Now, it was IDP, so but it was eight rounds of difference. So if you just factor out, let's just call it three rounds of, uh, of players from the defensive side of the ball. Probably a little high, but that's more than fair. There was five rounds between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. And if, and if you're like me and we all seem to like Darius Geis a little bit, how can we like Darius Geis and not like Rashad Penny? More draft capital, better team. Uh, they have a fifth-year option on him. So those are the things that make me worried about Chris Carson in a dynasty league. If you're not a contender, and let's say Chris Carson, good for him, man, he gets off to a hot start. If you're not like 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one by week five, ship that dude on down the road. Move him off to a contender. Try to cash out because, again, whether he gets hurt or he gets replaced next offseason by all these guys hitting the free agent market, I, I don't think his, uh, his run in the NFL is for long. So that would be my concern on Chris Carson. Jerry, anything else to add before we move on to the, uh, the next good shooter? Nothing big. It would just be, okay, let's say that Chris Carson does do okay. Let's say he comes back from this injury. I don't think he's going to be 1,500 yards with a, a hip fracture. I mean, you know, my grandma had a hip fracture and she couldn't walk down to go get her hard candies. She had to yell at me to get her her hard candies because you know how they love the hard candies. It, <laughs> or I mean, the originals, that, baby. Yeah, well, those are delicious. I'm not going <laughs> to besmirch those good names. It, it, that's going to be tough to come back and come even close to the good that he has done, which he has done good in this league. So do I think he's going to survive all those things that you mentioned, Randy? All these new running backs that are coming in, all these young guys, all this whole situation that we have going on in 2020 no the hell i don't like everything kyle said seventh round you know he's he's got the injury history it's just not i mean and you know maybe i'm just overstating on the the draft capital because we've seen him produce and he's clearly done much better than that i don't know it just nothing about that situation suggests this guy's going to be here long term and i should have him as a cornerstone of my championship fantasy roster that just that sounds dumb to say, just looking at myself, I was ashamed to look at myself while I said that because he did nothing suggested suggest that that is the case. We'll, we'll end Mr. Carson on this. Have either one of you gentlemen heard any rumors or rumblings of Chris Carson in a contract extension? No. Exactly. Um, exactly. No. It, it, this is a team that uh, is always priding itself of always being in the hut. When you got a guy like Russell Wilson under center, you're, you're always going to be in the hunt, and you've already kind of got your wide receivers of the future mostly in place. There's rumors of Antonio Brown, but you've got DK, who will take the baton probably in 2021 from Tyler Lockett. So you'd still have two good wide receivers. Um, they've got Greg Olson as a transition tight end. We don't know what Disley and Hollister are going to look like. And, and then you could bring in, again, Kareem Hunt, going to be a free agent. Leonard Fournette, going to be a free agent. Marlon, and like, would Mar you like all of those guys better than him? Uh, Absolutely. What do you think about Marlon Mack in a, in a tandem backfield with Rashad Penny going into 2021? These are all things that, that, that are completely feasible because that 2017 uh, – Aaron Jones, he's yet to be re-signed. I mean, there are, there's so much competition. They owe him some, so much uh, little money. It's like less than like 700 grand. So, I mean, you find that in the couch cushions in the Seattle front office. But I'll tell you who doesn't make pocket change. I'll tell you, it's Big Ben. That dude has a $40 million cap hit this year and a $40 million cap hit next year. 
And if I bleed black and gold, I would be a little bit nervous because this guy's elbow has been remade with shoestrings and chandelier parts. Dr. Kyle, <laughs> tell us about a Tommy John surgery for a pitcher. Uh, so I don't actually know if he had Tommy John surgery. Tommy John surgery is to repair the ligament, the, the ulnar collateral ligament, which is the ligament that runs on the inside of the elbow. I don't know if that's I've, I don't know why it's been so cryptic or mysterious as to what he actually had repaired. The, the most I heard was that he had tendon repair. Um, tendon is related to is where the muscle attaches to the bone. There's the tendon in between. Not to say that that's any less to worry about, um, but if anything, it's we, we probably just know less about where he is in his rehab. Um, that being said, you know, Big Ben's put up some big numbers for a few seasons in his career. He's probably got, you know, he doesn't have AB, but, you know, you talk about all the hype around, you know, Juju, uh, Washington, uh, drawing a blank on the, the third guy who's been hyped up for months Deontay now. Johnson. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, sorry. The, the other very generic last name. Um, and then you talk about, like, they bring in Ebron and the pass catching potential of James Conner. Like, I don't know, you could hype all five of these guys without thinking that Big Ben is going to have some pretty miraculous comeback. And for his ADP of, you know, he's, he's a QB three off the board in FFPC right now. And you talk about the dead cap hit, like he's pretty much a lock for two years, you know, knock on wood, if he stays healthy, like that seems like the perfect time to, to grab him or hang on to him. All right, Jerry. So, so what do you what are you doing with Big Ben in Dynasty? And and, and are you more concerned about what he's going to do for your Juju, your Deontay type players, or uh, so? What are your thoughts on Ben? And then I will expound. <clears throat> Would I rather have Ben or whatever in the hell we had to deal with last year? <laughs> I would much rather have Ben Roethlisberger. Here's the thing: Ben has the potential to throw for five thousand yards. Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph have the potential. I almost said something I probably shouldn't have, but get get his head bashed in. Something along those lines was what I was going for. And Duck Hodges, I don't I don't know what the hell that was. I mean, good story. It was cute. You had duck calls and it was awesome. I like Ben. And Ben is one of those guys that you talked about on tight ends earlier, Randy, where you like to get that veteran that people don't love because he's super old. That's Ben. That's a, that's the guy I scoop up as my QB three every single time. Give me him. Thank you. I'll just put that in my pocket. I'll use him this year and I'll let the Tua that I drafted several rounds earlier, just sit and he can just wait and I can just hope that he pans out. Um, so I, I like Ben. And if, if anybody has really sold me on Ben, it's you Randy, because of how much money that man is in for, for the next two years. So I'm gonna let you talk about it. Cause you're much smarter on it and you were the professor that got me on it and i was just the student that wrote it down i mean i like ben from a, i mean redraft this year if you can get him at the back end of your draft i mean in a one qb league which is what i would say 95 percent of america plays they play in espn cbs fox sports one qb 16 roster spaces if you leave your draft with big ben I wouldn't advise it, but Big, Big, Big Ben's the kind of guy that you'll pick up around week six or seven that could win you your championship. And I'm just basing this off the eyeball test because I remember when Andrew Luck was coming back from the shoulder injury from that kept him out an entire season. And then you could even look at what Cam's shoulder looked like when he was coming back. from These guys that have these major injuries to their throwing arm, they, they don't look the same. And they tend to 
do things a little bit differently. Do I see Ben chucking the ball down the field? Maybe once or twice a game, but I don't think he's going to make a habit out of it. And I think you can see a lot of short to intermediate stuff. So who does that benefit? Man, I I think you're going to like Eric Ebron as the guy who saw Andrew Luck get Eric Ebron like 13 touchdowns that one magical year. I don't know how much that he'll help you in a in a point per reception league, but if you play like in a half point or if you play in a best ball, there's going to be some weeks where a guy like Eric Ebron is going to have three catches for 28 yards and two touchdowns. And if you have him on the back end of your best ball roster, <laughs> because that's exactly what Eric Ebron is. I mean, do, do, do I mean, you know, there's, gonna, I, I, there's I, I don't disagree. Shootouts. I don't disagree. And honestly, in truth, as much as I love to bash the man, I think he is a good value because the man is borderline free at this point. And I think it, to what you're saying, that's exactly going to be the situation is he's going to be a guy that's going to get seven or eight touchdowns. And at the end of the season, when you look at Eric Ebron as tight end nine or something, you're not going to be, you're going to be like Eric Ebron. I wish I had saw that coming. Yeah. And it's going to feel gross. It's going to feel bad and you're not going to enjoy it, but you're going to look at it and go, okay, all right, I'll take it. That's why you throw him on the back end of a best ball. And then lastly for dynasty, again, that's what we are here for. I mean, the guy's going to get paid. They have every incentive of bringing him back this year and next year. Now, is he going to set the world on fire? No, but we know the upside as recently as 2018 was 5,000 yards and you know all these touchdowns. Let, let's say you get 80% of that. Let's say you get 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns. Who's mad at 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns out of your QB2? Hashtag no one. No one's <laughs> mad about 4,000 yards and 28 touchdowns. That's great. He's surrounded by good weapons. They continue to add wide receivers. Uh, They have a a pantheon of mediocre running backs. Maybe they'll address that free agency themselves. I don't know. Ben feels safe as a QB 2-3 through the next two years on a contender. If he's not a contender, you have to reverse that story and tell them everything that I just said to a contender that needs a little bit of help. So uh, I'm more intrigued as to what Ben can do for the players around him. Um, he is a, he's a hold for me. And unless you're definitely not contending, then you need to move him to a contender with a story to tell. All right, this next guy, he's been the bane of many of our existence. Now you may ask yourself, he's played 77 of 80 games. Why is he on here? Because he's kind of like Wolverine. He gets knocked down, he gets hurt, but then he gets back up and he kind of plays, you know, plays through it. But it seems like he's always fighting something and it's always hampering his magical upside. Uh, I've always been intrigued by this guy. I like him. I hate him. Uh, again, he's a, he's a best ball guy for me at his value. But Dr. Kyle, let's talk Amari Cooper, man. Oh, as a Cowboys fan, let, let's not talk Amari Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking. So I, I just for full disclosure, pre, player profiler for injury histories. Uh, pro football reference for all statistics, and then Rotoviz for all ADP for me on the research for these 10 guys. Actually, 11. There might be a bonus 11th. Um, but looking at Amari Cooper, you look at his injury history and you wonder how he actually played 77 of 80. He, you know, in his rookie season, quad strain, foot strain. Then the next year, back strain, shoulder strain. Next year, ankle sprain, concussion. Oh, 2018, injury free. Congratulations. Um, and then this past year didn't actually miss any games, but again, foot sprain, ankle sprain, quad strain, knee sprain. And and I wonder like this to me doesn't necessarily sound like bad luck. Um, this sounds like either, 
I, I don't know. I just don't know with Cooper. He's almost like a, a rich man's Will Fuller. Like the the ceiling and the floor are both higher. But when you're looking at tiers of guys at his position, like you know, give me Michael Gallup, however many rounds later, or you know, give me somebody with uh, a little bit more safety net, like uh, a Keenan Allen, even. Uh, I know Cooper is still very young for his age, or for he's very young for his age. How's that for redundancy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he fits on the show. We got him. We got we got a guy that works. Um, I, so I I just don't know. I guess for me with Cooper, it would depend. You know where you're at with uh, he's he's probably a great best ball guy because we know that he can blow up for you know like eight, 110 and two or three touchdowns at any given moment. We saw him, we saw him blow up against the Packers last year. And he, I think he had drops. Like it was absurd what the potential for the game was. Um, so, you know, as far as he, he's going similar ADP as Kenny Galladay and Julio and Odell Beckham and Allen Robinson, for me, it just like, I think I'd rather have most of those guys at this point, uh, age aside. I, I think age has been his argument since I was like 19 years old. Like I've been hearing that Amari Cooper's young and so he's going to be super good for so long. I think we finally hit the point where it's like, we we know what he is. And I think, and listen, I always write down Randy's quotes. I wrote down the very first Dr. Kyle quote and it's Amari Cooper is rich man's Will Fuller because that is so effing awesome because that is exactly what that man is. So I, I, I think that's perfect. Listen, Amari Cooper he, he is what we see. I mean, I, I hate to repeat it, but the, it, it is. He's not going to be this guy that, you know, everybody drafted him behind Todd Gurley or ahead of Todd Gurley, depending on your league, um, <laughs> Jerry. Um, so it's not, I don't know. We're not going to see wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I I know Randy's going to tell you he's he's not an alpha. He's he's a guy that he's good and he works and he's he's pretty good. But, you know, he's he's not taking that step into Kyle's credit. I'm taking all of those wide receivers too, for the most part. I mean, probably taking Amari just because Julio's however old Julio is 32 or something. Um, but yeah, Randy to tell the people the, the Amari Cooper situation that is unfolding in front of us. So, uh, to help raise money for fantasy cares, as I'm a big, big believer in that, I jumped in. This was uh, like, you know, we always talk about like odds on your money and, and a good investment and everything. I paid $10 for a shot to win $10. No, I'm sorry. I paid $5 for a shot to win $10. So 12, I was going to say, that is a weird investment, dude. Say uh, uh, 12 of us paid five bucks each, and $10 goes to the winner, and 50 bucks went to, went to fam, uh, Fantasy Cares. And But I, I took it because I could get my uh, fifth overall draft spot so I could get some good actual practice because. When you do mock drafts, you might, you might take a risk you might not normally do. But this was live fire, if you will, because we were playing for something, even though it wasn't huge. And I took Amari Cooper as my wide receiver one in the sixth round in a best ball format. Now, Scott Fish scoring rules, but I would much rather have Galladay or Julio. And then uh, in the notes, Beckham, Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley. Those guys are going after Amari Cooper. I'm taking Riley. Uh, excuse me. I'm taking Ridley and Robinson all day over Amari Cooper. They're just going to be much more consistent, and th- that's what I need. Where you take Amari Cooper, that's a player that you need consistency out of. Uh, he would be the quintessential wide receiver too for a lot of teams. If you could put 
Amari Cooper behind a Kenny Galladay. They would be a great pair, to be quite honest with you. You know, Kenny Galladay can, can get you points. Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup. That would be like that uh, Wheel of Fortune before and after question. You know, <laughs> Vanna up there turning the numbers. Amari Cooper Cup. Uh, be a great Wheel of Fortune question, to be honest with you. And uh, a puzzle, if you will. But I, I think that's the kind of guy. You need that consistent, you know, uh, I think Cooper Cup over the last 25 games he's played because he missed some time with an ACL himself. I think he averages like 16 PPR points a game. Perfect. That is stone cold perfect. If you could pair Amari and Cooper together, man, that that would be a great one-two punch. But as my wide receiver one, I just can't do it. I can not do it in a head-to-head format week. Uh, if, if you wanted to roll him out there, you want to stream him in some DFS, you want to take him in a tournament like the Scott Fishbowl. Again, you have an, uh, a Cooper Cup, uh, another solid you know, wide receiver to put with him. Cool, because then you have your consistent and then you have your home run hitter. But you can't have a guy swinging from his shoes and then have another guy swinging from his shoes because you have no stability. So for me, Amari Cooper at that value is a pass. And the last thing before we hold move on. on. Oh, let, me, let me throw something in there. So have we seen the best of Amari Cooper? Here's that, that's for, where both, I was, of, for that, both of you. That's where I was heading. I, I no, again, it's hard to question a guy who's played 77 of 80 games. But what is his motivation now that he has 60 million dollars guaranteed? Has he been playing the last four or five years to get that guaranteed cheddar? And now is he going to start? Oh, yep, yep. Foot sprain, better take a game off. Yep, yep, yep. Quad sprain, better take a couple of weeks off. Is that, that gonna, the old Jerry work ethic? I like it. I, I'm not. I don't want to put that evil on him because I've never seen that from I, him. I hear you. But, but it I creeps know. in the back of my mind. And at this ADP, this is not the area to be fooling around. And another guy. Uh, this is a Jerry favorite. So Jerry, you got your uh, pad and pencil. Oh yeah, always. I'm a pen guy, but yes, uh, a pen guy. You because because Jerry doesn't make mistakes. All right, let, 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 let's talk about Juju. Smith Schuster played 42 of a career possible 48 games. That's not too shabby. He's missed about 12% of his career games. Uh, and most of those came from a knee. Uh, he's tied to another guy on this list. Uh, Dr. Kyle, let's talk about Juju. Because um, the reason why I put him on here is because of the value. That's where you know, you're starting to see more of the value creep up in ADP. Tell us a little bit about Juju and his, uh, although not huge, but somewhat interesting checkered injury history. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Juju burst onto the scene in his rookie year, putting up some great numbers, especially down the second uh, second half of the season. And I still remember grabbing him uh, maybe in like the fourth round in fourth or fifth round in redraft leagues in 2018 and just riding him to championships. Uh, No big deal. And we saw what he can do opposite of A.B. with a healthy Big Ben with I think at the time was a, a, a very good Steelers offensive line throwing the ball 600 times that season. So we saw, we saw what Juju can be. And then in 2019, we, we saw the antithesis of that. Um, I, I got to point out one of my notes. Uh, he disappointed the 2019 encore with basically Memphis and Jerry playing quarterback for 14 games. So, <laughs> so, so we, we've seen Jekyll and Hyde with Juju. I think 2020 is going to be the year where we – we see who Juju really is. Like he, he could be either of those guys. Um, I, I already sold one share to create some depth in a league where I am definitely not competing. And then I'm holding on to a share in a league where I have a very good shot at competing this year because I'm still like, 
I'm, I'm not, I got a foot in both camps right now. I think I like where his ADP is. He's, he's, he's just ahead of that Amari Cooper tier where he's going, you know, after AG Browns and Mike Evans who aren't without their own risk. Um, and then before a Kenny Galladay, Julio, Amari Cooper. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's all baked into his ADP right now. All right, Jerry, this is your man. This is the guy that you and I recently made a trade for to where I uh, I sent you Juju and there was Nick Chubb back for me and there were some other pieces and parts in there, but this is your man's. Talk to it, us. This, I mean, this is, if there ever was, like it, you look on the DTC calculator, everybody's got their, their man's that they got. When you look it up, it's got the little tag. Mine would be Juju, especially in 2020. And here's the thing, I, I love the ADP. I love seeing where Juju's going because I think my man is going to be a top three, four, five wide receiver has the potential to, you know, be as high as two, probably. I mean, Michael Thomas is really, it's unfair, the situation that that man's in. But if Ben Roethlisberger is there all 16 games and Juju plays all 16 games, he's going to get fed. I just, you know, sing Big Ben's praises a few people ago. And Juju is just a product of that. I mean, Juju is a great wide receiver. He's young. He's talented. He's just, he could do everything that you need him to do. And, you know, like, like Kyle said, I think we are going to see the real Juju last year. And listen, hold on. Let me, uh, woo. I, I meant to ask this question earlier. Which one of us is Duck Hodges and which one of us is Mason Rudolph? Because if I play the fifth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Listen, if don't, I, don't make me choose boys. Don't make me choose. It's going to be hurtful. I think I'm stuck being Mason Rudolph, no, and I think that just, that hurts my heart. Look, we'll no, leave it to a Twitter no, hold, poll until next week. No, 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 hold, <laughs> there hold, you go. hold on a second. Talking. Before I jump in on Juju, you, I, I cannot consider a city slicker like Dr. Kyle there in New York as a guy who could call <laughs> ducks. At least with that scruff you got on your face, Jerry, you look like you could be out there calling ducks with uh, I think it Man, was. It's a, the think it the was, problem is you got to hunt in the morning. And it's cold here in Michigan, so I don't want to wake up early and I want to freeze my ass off going out to go hunt. And I'll feel bad, man. Like I'm soft. I'm a millennial. Like I, I can't, I can't shoot some stuff. Come on. All right, man. Juju, I love him, and I, I think this time next year, Juju is going to be moved right back up in ADP. Remember earlier when I was talking about how the Steelers will want to conserve Ben and they won't be taking those deep shots. Guess who works the middle, and guess who works those slants and you know shorter routes? That's going to help uh, Big Ben's elbow get in better shape sooner than later. It's going to be Juju. It's going to be Juju. It's going to be the running backs. It's going to be the tight ends. Uh, like I said, he'll still have the arm strength to chuck it deep, and I think you'll see more of the deep stuff later in the season as he builds up reps on his arm again. But I think Juju's target volume in 2020 is going to be bananas. So if you've got your Juju, now is not the time. If you Maybe you're oversaturated on Juju like Jerry is. You know, the, 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 the time, Hey, I, I can't, I, I can't, I, I can't speak. I'm oversaturated on DJ Moore and Terry McLaren. It's just, I, I even got him in the Scott fishbowl. I had, hey, yeah, I, I, was gonna, I was just going to ask. And, uh, what were the two wide receivers you got in the fish? Hey, pal, the first step in admitting, uh, fixing a problem is admitting you have one. And, uh, but that's where I'd be at with, with Juju. I don't think you can lose any of your investment on Juju right now. You're just going to have to hang on to him and see what you have. Let's jump in to the third Injury list guy. It's a Tua, Tua Tagaviola. I'm close. Doctor Kyle, I, 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 we can talk a little bit about the tightrope procedures on his ankles, but again, this is a guy with one of those big bad hips. Man, talk to me. 
Yeah, so I, I had to do a little bit of uh, research on the tightrope procedure because that was something I, I've not been familiar with. And so here you have a guy who is just entering his NFL career, and he's already got some pretty intriguing injury history between, you know, a couple high ankle sprains that were repaired with this uh, tightrope procedure, which turns out is like uh, fairly minimally invasive and allows for a quick return to field. But I'm, I'm unsure of like what cost that comes at. You know, if somebody, if somebody has an injury and the general like physiological repair time is, you know, X and you're doing a surgery that is like some point well before X that gets them on the field, like you, you can't, you can't cheat physiology, um, maybe steroids, but I, that's a different story for a, di a different time. Um, and then, yeah, a dislocated right hip to end his, uh, his last season. That is just not something you see really anywhere other than car accidents. But if you watch it, I mean, I remember watching it in real time. Like that's literally the textbook mechanism of injury where you have a, a front to back, um, you know, uh, it, vector from, and, and the hip is flexed at 90 degrees. Like when he gets tackled, his hip is flexed at 90 degrees and it, his knee hits the turf straight on. And so it was just a clear posterior dislocation. Um, I know you mentioned Bo Jackson earlier. The difference here is that they're, they were able to relocate the hip or reduce the hip within the, the window of time to preserve the, the blood supply. So I think as far as what we're looking at as um, ability to return to play is like, this is, this is an N equals one. Like we've not seen this. I don't think, um, especially, you know, a year ago, Tua was the consensus one-on-one in, you know, real drafts and super flex drafts coming into this season. And then he falls to 105. Like, um, you know, he's got all the potential in the world, but for me, you know, I think, uh, I don't know where he is going in dynasty startup ADP right now. But I do have him from one of my rookie drafts. He fell to like 108 or 109. And I was like, yep, he would have been my 102 if I held on to my 102 earlier anyway. But he might be a guy I look to flip for a profit in year one or year two when he gets buzzing a little bit um, and then maybe avoid some of the complications down the line potentially. So you think that complications are probably something that we're going to see at some point? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, not we don't play in absolutes, of course, but just from what you've seen, this is probably not the best situation yeah i i just you know there's so much that goes into like a guy's ability to get back on the field and become 100 percent. like you know i don't like i don't know what his hip range of motion is like who are his physical therapists who are his strength coaches what do they value in the weight room what do they value on the table what do they value as far as like are they going to be counting snaps when he gets back in are they going to be counting you know how often he he, he runs um I, he, so he's a lefty and it was his right hip. So that's, you know, he's not, he's not pushing off of that hip, but he's got to be able to follow through onto that hip. And if he's hesitant in landing on that hip, we might see ball sailing. These are just, I don't know. Uh, it, it, the first, he's going to be under the microscope pretty quickly when he gets on the field in Miami, I think. All right. So I, I have a, I have a few questions for you. Shoot. So I've been a big advocate of red shirting to a, in year one, it damn sure didn't hurt Patrick Mahomes or his checkbook, because my man just signed for half a bill. That's five hundred sticks. That's a that's a lot of millions of dollars, and it didn't hurt Patrick Mahomes at all. How much, in your opinion, again, guys? And I do want to make sure that I I add this into the show. 
When I asked Dr. Kyle, at sometimes Jerry and I will put him in a bad spot because without firsthand treating of this guy, he has not seen x-rays. He's not seen MRIs. He's giving us his best intellectual opinion on these guys. So would a red shirt season, in your opinion, be the best thing for him in 2020? I got to think so, especially where the Dolphins are with their rebuild. Like We know they're not competing this year. We we know their O line. Yes, they. I, I believe they addressed it in the draft, but it's it's still young. the The offense is still young. We have a lot of unknowns. Um, like that. That's th- there's so many unknowns. It's like yes, yeah, just like keep your franchise guy. You drafted him at 105. You want him to be your guy for the next you know anywhere from five to 15 years. Like yeah, protect him and and let him learn from Fitzpatrick on the sideline and in the locker room. Like. I feel like there's no reason to rush him onto the field right now. Uh, a year under a smart guy didn't uh, like Alex Smith didn't did nothing but wonders for Patrick Mahomes. Nothing wrong with learning from a cagey veteran, and the same thing with Ryan Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic already has a understanding of the new Chan Gailey offense. Uh, the COVID and, offseason and fourteen is, other offenses probably. Oh, but be, the the man's well traveled. He's got a Harvard degree. He can go anywhere he wants and get a job. But I, I like the uh, I like Tua overall, and my other concern for Tua is how long can he play? To your point, will this shorten his career? Will he play 15 years? I know Dynasty is a uh, you know a year to year proposition, even though it's supposed to be a long term thing. I, and by the way, his ADP is 84 in ML and MFL. So that would be right around the the six eleven to uh, seven oh one in a super flex for okay. those taking notes at home there in a, in a startup. I'm, you know, at that point there are still some other guys on the board that I, that I would rather uh, take a gamble on. Him and Sam Darnold are going real close to one another, and even though Sam Darnold's you know got mono like an eighteen year old, I mean, what are you going to do? So I, I like Tua, but. Uh, I would rather it, it, I, is I, is the safer bet to just not deal with Tua. Like let's let's say you have Tua. Let's say you drafted him. It is it going to be more profitable in the long term to get rid of him? I, I if I already have him, if I've already done my rookie draft or I've done a startup and I've got a share. I'm, like if you got like if you're Kyle and you got him at eight, no, hell no, hold no, you, on to you, that because that was a squad. steal. That's thievery. Yeah. That's a I don't I don't remember the police code that Randy always says, but 2-11. that is a robbery. There you go. Two eleven. That is a damn two eleven because that is a robbery, a robbery in, in progress. progress. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. I'm. I mean, here's the thing. If I, if I've already got Tua, I'm you know kicking tires on cheap Fitz Magic. If I consider myself a contender or I need a QB this year, I think if you have one, you need to have the other. If you're a contender, if you're in full rebuild mode and you're looking to not do so well, you know, maybe like tanking for Trevor, not do so well. Hey, Tua is a great guy. You don't need to handcuff him. But if Tua is like part of your QB three equation, you might go out and see what a cheap, what a cheap Ryan Fitzmagic share would cost you in dynasty. I'll tell you who's not cheap and he's actually starting to go the other way. That is Carson Wentz. Now he's got he's got a weird injury history, and I, as everyone knows, I love this guy. He is probably my QB six or seven overall in a startup, uh, right there behind the more mobile guys like Lamar, like Mahomes, like Watson, like Dak, like Kyler, and then I would have to say right there around six. That's that's Carson Wentz. 
Uh, he's more of a guy that I feel like has been unlucky with injuries, but I want to hear what the doctor has to say. Doc, tell us about Wentz. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you there. Like, uh, you know, we saw his MVP-ish season prior to his ACL tear. And even, like, I don't remember the mechanism completely, but I, it was, he was running to the end zone, and it wasn't even the leg was planted and somebody hit it going the wrong way. Like, I, I don't know. That one seemed weird. And then I feel like he came back fairly solid in 2018. And then he, he had a pretty good season going last year. And, uh, you know, he's still only going into his fifth year. The Eagles have addressed their wide receiver position. Um, he's now one more year removed from his ACL tear. Like, uh, you know, QB, QB two or three is probably his ceiling. And so in Superflex to get a guy at his age who I, th- I feel like I don't know where he is. He's, he's been paid. Like, he's on a second contract, right? That is correct. He and yeah. uh, Golf were extended. I think it was this time last year. Yeah, um, I think I think six six or seventh quarterback off the board is a good spot to to be grabbing Carson Wentz and Superflex. Listen, yeah. Randy. Jerry, we, Jerry. I mean, where, where did we have him last year? It was three, right? It was it was Mahomes. It was Luck before Luck. It was it was before you, it was before Luck retired and Lamar became Lamar. Yeah, and we we yeah we had I think we if I remember correctly I think we had it Mahomes Watson Wentz if I remember yeah correctly. ah there and, you and, go and, and, there and Luck was somewhere in the big four. Hmm. But I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm glad to hear that you think it's also Luck. Not because if I think it's Luck, that doesn't mean a damn thing. But it that's just hope. I'm just hoping in one hand and shitting in the other, and we'll see which one fills up first. But I see I get one swear word. Randy allows me one swear word on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I I like Wentz and Wentz gets so disrespected because Nick Foles won the Super Bowl and he, he was the backup. So he's got to be better. And and Lions fans will always tell you that the backup's better than Matthew Stafford. That's always been the case. I, I like Wentz. I love hearing what you're saying about Wentz. And he's sort of like my juju a little bit for that position. I feel like because his ceiling can hit QB two, QB three up in there, and that's not where he's being drafted at. And I think he's more likely to exceed his ADP. He's like my juju light where I just, every time I end up with Carson Wentz on my team, I just like the way that team looks. It just ah, warms my heart. Yeah. I I love Carson Wentz. Like I said, I, he's, he's slid from the three, four range down to, you know, six for me as a uh, prospect. But, I mean, here's a guy who even... And, in, and I think that's higher than a lot of people. I think that is a lot higher than a lot of people have him. And, for sure. And after his uh, interception-plagued rookie year where he threw 16 TDs and 14 interceptions in 2017, 18, and 19, the guy had seven. So seven was seven and 17, seven and 18, and seven and 19 pretty consistent and he's a guy that basically has averaged about uh, we'll call it 27 touchdowns a game over that time so if you're getting a guy that's going to give you around now last year he threw for a career high 4,000 yards and the the famous stat is not one of his wide receivers had more than 500 Hmm. which in and of itself is an anomaly I mean they're bringing back the corpse of Alshon Jeffrey if uh, they can get Deshaun Jackson's mess straightened out they brought in Jalen Rager Maybe J.J. Ortega-Whiteside takes a step. You still have a great pass catcher in Miles Sanders. I think we like what Boston Scott can bring to this team. And then we didn't even mention the two great tight ends in 
Ertz and Goddard. So his weapon core should be the best it's been in a long time until they all get hurt again because that's what they do. <laughs> if there was ever a team to be a candidate to bring in Antonio Brown, I, th- I think this would be it. And I know that would hurt a lot of feelings of, uh, of Jalen Rager owners everywhere. But Jalen Rager doesn't have to be the alpha wide receiver one in year one. But anyway, we, uh, we have one guy on top of this list that was one other. And uh, this, this is another Jerry guy. Uh, he's a running back. He wears purple. He has horns on his helmet. He is Dalvin Cook. He has played in 29 of 48 career games. And he has missed him to some doozies. And we have his pro injuries. And let's just say that his time in Florida State and high school were equally as rough on this man. Dr. Kyle, take it away, Dalvin Cook style. Number one. Well, let me just lead with this. Is Dalvin cooking or is Dalvin Cooks? Look at this Sorry. guy. Come, come with the Jerry. dad jokes already. I could not resist. Mm-hmm. I could not resist. Just, just be glad that they didn't start until uh, number one on the list. Um, yeah, so speaking to what Memphis brought up earlier about guys looking better in their second year off an ACL injury, like like it what Dalvin Cook did. He came back in 2018 and ended up pulling a hamstring and missing five games. And then last year we got him healthy up until when it mattered most. Um, so he got you to the playoffs of the ship. Uh, definitely for me, he got me in one redraft league very close. And then I was trying to put the pieces together with Boone and Co., um you know he's he's holding out potentially he's uh you know he's on going into the fourth year of his rookie contract you know he's going between guys like alvin kamara and joe mixon and i think that's probably the right spot like he i I don't think he's nowhere near alvin kamara for me but i think i would rather have him over joe mixon at this point just because of what we saw he could do last year we know the vikings want to run the ball uh he's going to be the workhorse i think they'll integrate madison a bit more um, but, uh, for me, he's like, if you're a contender, he's a good guy to have this year. If you're in a rebuild, he's probably a good guy to ship off at this point. All right, Jerry. This ugly giant block of wood that's next to me that I get to have, and I get to Snapchat to my friends and remind them that I am a better human being than them because I have this is because of Dalvin Cook and not because I had Dalvin Cook because my friend had Dalvin Cook in the championship and I had Alexander Madison because I not only talk on the Dynasty Warzone, but I listen to the Dynasty Warzone. So I had him. Um, Delvin Cook scares the hell out of me, if we yeah. would like my truth. I think that dude is worth far more than I want to risk going forward. I don't know how long he's going to last. I don't know how long he's going to hold up. And I think I can get a King's ransom for Dalvin cook. I don't know if I own Dalvin cook because I've sold him in so many leagues that I do have him. It's I just, the problem is, is there's always someone in your league that loves Dalvin cook. And there's always someone in your league that'll pay just short of Saquon Barkley prices for Dalvin cook. And if there's one thing that gets me excited in a way that I cannot say on this live show or on our recorded show, but if you are a member of our Patreon, I can say it. That makes me so unbelievably excited that I will ship that man off in a nanosecond. And I don't even know how fast a nanosecond is. Randy, Delvin Cook, hate him, love him. Is he cooking or is he cooked? Uh, well, I, I, I do appreciate a good dad joke, first of all. So thank you for that. Number, number two, 
Dalvin Cook, man, I love the talent. He was my 101 the year that he came out. I did not buy the Corey Davis or Leonard Fournette Kool-Aid. He stayed my 101. Uh, in retrospect, I wish I had taken Christian McCaffrey as opposed to him at the 101, but I've not been sad with the production when Dalvin Cook is healthy. That's the issue. His man, you can go back to college. I believe he had his first shoulder surgery because he slipped and fell on some stairs and had to have a shoulder surgery in college. He had issues at Florida State. They have carried him on to the pro. Here's the nice thing about Dalvin Cook is uh, Jerry, one of our Patreons, asked this. They asked uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook, uh, Calvin Ridley, and a first for Christian McCaffrey. And I was like, that's a lot. That's a lot for, for, for Christian McCaffrey. But because of his – now, not for the injury history and the holdout rumor, that seems like a slam dunk. But I, I, I love the talent. I think if there's anyone that could be on par with uh, Saquon and with Christian McCaffrey, it's not Zeke. It's really not. Not in a point-per-game basis because of the, of the check-down volume. But that's my fear, man. Last year it was the, the shoulder injuries came back. He missed two games. And then he, he missed a game. And then he missed like half of two games because of the shoulder thing. He's a guy that every week when you put him in your lineup or if you're building out your DFS roster and you put Dalvin Cook in there, you know there's a good chance that he's going to get hurt in, in the first quarter. And I love the fact that you, you're using player profiler because they do have the uh, injury risk. I still can't figure out how they have James Conner as a bigger injury risk than this guy. It's got to be close. It has to be very close. I love him. We're running just a little long, but we have a uh, injury bonus. And a throwback to the old school Dynasty IDP Warzone and, and back to the IDP bonus with Mike Jernigan. We're going to go with an injury bonus with Dr. Kyle. Let's talk Cam Newton, man. He recently returned. By the time you and I had put this list together, uh, Cam had decided to come back. He's too big of a name on too important of an offense. And he's a quarterback and a lot of us play super flex, brother. Give us something on Mr. Cam. Well, I just want to say I got him in the 20th round of Patreon 4 uh, and would have loved to have sold him immediately, but you had to blow up the Dynasty Warzone last week and let everybody know that you don't believe he's going to be the guy in New England very long. Uh, I'll, I'll turn a profit on him, of course. I'll probably wait until the regular season until he sees some playing time. But here's a guy who, you know, we've seen him win the MVP on the back of a season where he had 30-plus touchdowns. Uh, and every other season after that has never had more than 24. Uh, never less than, I think, was it 10? Never less than 10 interceptions, never more than 24 except for the MVP season. So you're banking on a guy who's got a career average of 500 to 600 yards rushing coming off of his most serious injury and surgery. Um and going into an office that he uh, offense, and I guess an office as well that he doesn't know. Uh, and you know, he's never had wide receivers in the past, but he's going to have Nikhil Harry, who's coming off an injury injured year, and Julian Edelman going into age uh, fifty seven season, and all, all these question marks surrounding the Patriots. Like they had, you know, Tom Brady there last year, and they still rode their defense to the championship. You know, Cam Cam is. He's getting expensive. I think in FFPC, he's gone as early as like the sixth round in Superflex, which is just stupid if you ask me. He is, you know, he is no more than like, like I grabbed him like a, I think a, a QB five or six stash at this point that you just you cross your fingers and hope he sees enough playing time to show some sort of 
burst that he had, you know, three or four years ago, and then and then move him as quick as possible. All right, Jerry, talk about your mans, and then I'll uh, wrap this one up. Well, I was actually looking at Patreon four. I was going to see if I can throw Kyle something while I was trying to do that while I was looking. The problem is I got excess tight ends, but Kyle's got a good team, man. Kyle's already got good tight ends. I got nothing to send him right now. Also, my favorite thing is Kyle's name in that league is Balls, which is sort of a play on his last name, which is great, but that's because I'm a child. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I would try to sell Cam Newton too. I was trying to be a little swindly rat and send something cheap, but no, I, here's the thing. Like, like Kyle just said, you're talking about a dude that has made his living running the ball. You're talking about a dude that has made his ability or made his fantasy stardom get, getting, you know, those, that goal line work. And if he's not doing that, what do, what do I want Cam Newton for? Like, he has value. Don't get me wrong. I just, I don't know. It, it, I have him in a league where I took him in a late startup pick, just like Kyle did. And I promise you, I put that man on the trade block the second that he got signed to the Patriots. And I was trying to hype off of that. And I didn't get a whole bunch of nibbles either, buddy. So I feel your pain. Randy. We're not crazy. I know. I know you. You're you're with us on this one. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting here looking through my conference of the Scott Fishbowl, which includes one, two, three, four, eight different twelve owner leagues. So that's ninety six of the fourteen hundred and forty. Cam Newton is currently based on my quick snapshot around this thing. He is going somewhere between the fifth and sixth round. He is going ahead of guys like Ryan Tannehill. He's going against, ahead of Jimmy GQ. Now, Jimmy GQ in the Scott Fishbowl scoring format was QB 10 last year. He's going ahead of Jared Goff. He's going ahead of Joe Burrow. Ain't no way in a fiery pit of hell am I taking Cam Newton that early. Not, not, not in redraft, not in dynasty, not in the best ball. There's no way. Uh, the, the big knock on him, I was listening to a football but non-fantasy related podcast the other day, and the big reason why it took him so long to get a job is that teams aren't sure that he can throw the ball that well anymore. He's a guy that his, okay, so I like to do what I like to call Olympic scoring. So take out his best completion uh, percentage season, which was 2018, which was 68%, and his worst which is 52%. And what's left over? A guy who's about a 58% completion quarterback in this league. I just don't know how 58% completions is going to go over with, with Bill Belichick. Now, he's a guy that averages, he's got 108 uh, interceptions in his season. We won't count last year. So he averages about 14 interceptions a year. I don't know how that goes over with Uncle Bill. He's, he's a great guy, but he's had a, a foot and, a, and an ankle surgery. We're not sure that he can throw. And there's one coach in the AFC East that's not even sure that he'll be the starter. So, I mean, it's July. He's yet to go to New England and get like, you know, not that camps have started, but you're seeing these things where Deshaun Watson's working with new wide receiver Brandon Cooks. And, yeah, I saw Cam with a little bit of, of Muhammad Sanu, but – I mean, I, I, I'll ask you guys this. Do you think the Bill Belichick slash Josh McDaniel offense is easy or complicated? Complicated. Yeah, I would I, definitely I, assume that uh, it's not just do whatever the hell you want, big man. And I, 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 
I, this is such an interesting dynamic. So th- th- I, it's not that I don't like Cam. It's that I damn sure don't like Cam at, you know, fifth, sixth round in ADP. The fifth or sixth round. Man, get, hey, listen, get, get the hell I'm out glad, of here. I'm glad we're on video because me and Kyle had the same face that was like, what in the world are you talking about? People, because, people. And, and, listen, and you're not lying because guess uh, one of, I don't remember his at. I know it's it's like Josh underscore ADHD. He works for Rotor Grinders. He has the Scott Fishbowl app. I am looking at the ADP of Cam Newton in the Scott Fishbowl, which people are drafting right now. And a big old fat chunk of them is the late fifth and the early sixth. And as early as 407, mm. which I just can't do. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in the Garbage Pale Kids division. I will just not be doing that. So if, for, for those of you that stuck around this long, first of all, thank you for making it to the end. You got a bonus with Cam. I mean, in Dynasty, I'm looking to sell. He's 31 years old. We're not sure what his shoulder looks like. We're not sure what his running ability looks like. He's going to have arguably the worst weapons of his career. Um, I'm still not sure. I mean, I, I kind of have some interest in, in Keel Harry, but in Dynasty, uh, all the buzz is now that Enkil Harry is going to break back out. So his ADP and value has crept back up. He's no longer a sneaky buy. He was a nice little sneaky buy with Jarrett Stidham. You put a little sprinkle, a little cam magic on him, and all of a sudden that ADP is creeping. You know, Julian Edelman's 35 years old, zero rapport with cam. The tight ends are a guy named Matt Lacoste and two rookies. And then that leaves James White, Damian Harris, and Sony Michelle in the backfield. And they lost their fantastic offensive line coach, Dante Scarnecchia. So there are more cons than pros here for a 31, almost 32-year. I think he's 31 or 32. He's in that mm-hmm. Matt Stafford range. It's just too much for me. So, Dr. Kyle, nice job on your maiden voyage. Not too Appreciate many hiccups. We, we, we put you live on the YouTubes. Make sure you tell these people where they can find you here on the, uh, the world of Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, Twitter. Hold on. I have to look, look up my handle. All right. Yeah, all right. Well, well, while I'm, he's looking I'm, up. I'm, at AWZ underscore Dr. PT. There you go. Uh, Great Don't job. worry about my Instagram right now. That's a, that's just dog videos, even though that's probably more entertaining than my Twitter right now. I mean, One second, I can follow that for sure. Yeah, 100%. My, mine's all dog videos and youth baseball. Jerry, what do you got for these people on the way out? Nothing. Love love talking to you. I, I'm glad that I finally got to sit down and have a real conversation with Kyle. Listen, we had the potathon and it was a good time. You know, Randy was in and out. Randy, he decided he liked us for part of it. And then the other time he was like, man, I'm, I'm going to Hardee's right now. I got to get some breakfast. Give me a second. Well, no, Randy doesn't, Randy doesn't eat Hardee's. I know. Hey, well, first, first of all, you, you shake that bun. I'm in there like swimwear. I'll eat all the bacon, all the beef, all the cheese. Hell yeah. No, what happened was originally I had the day off on Monday, but last week because I was sick, I was out four days plus my holiday, and I just didn't feel right taking one more day off. It's the old school in me. Um, I was able to duck out. I was trying to take the, the, the stream from my phone, and what happened was I had it sitting on my dash so I would have a good camera angle, but the sun was coming in, and it was about 80 degrees at 9 a.m., and my iPhone got real hot, so I had to turn the air conditioner all the way on and cool my iPhone down so it would work somewhat properly. That was the uh, the mistake. But no, that's me. I usually get to work between 6.30 and 7 a.m. So I was already at work and I ducked out early for, we'll call it lunch. And I uh, I, I did the pot-a-thon. But man, I'm, I'm really excited. 
again, this is streaming live on YouTube. You can go back. You can look under the YouTube feed if you want to see what Jerry, myself, or the uh, the, the the newly minted Warzone Dr. Kyle on the team, guys. Make sure you go back and listen to the beginning. It didn't make it on the YouTube because I uh, I had it streaming, but it wasn't live. You could hear it, but you couldn't see it. Um, we've got two new shows hitting the airwave in August, and as crazy as that is to say, that is next month. So some big offerings coming to you from the Dynasty Warzone. But until then, we'll be back here on Friday with another edition of the Three Team Parlay. And on behalf of Jerry, Dr. Kyle, and myself, we here at the Dynasty Warzone are just looking to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here on Friday. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZ ring. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season.